Life by Divine with Sue DeMay fosters deep healing and profound awakenings as she guides you to hear, answer, and trust the highest calling of your heart. Your host and sacred guide is global impact visionary leader Sue DeMay, a best-selling author, international speaker, and gifted intuitive healer who challenges all of us to shift from life by default or even life by design to truly living life by divine. And now, here is Sue DeMay. The Heart-Led Living Intuition Academy with Sue DeMay is a unique, unschooling experience designed to unwind, clear, and align your intuitive channel. And the doors are open for you now. Experience unwavering faith and deep trust in your intuition as you strengthen your connection to source, allowing you to walk through every moment with more peace, confidence, clarity, and certainty. Experience this deep personal transformation with Sue's guidance, including the option to share what you learn as a certified intuitive coach. This is your time to unwind and reprogram your mind, to rebuild your foundation and realign with your intuitive heart. Enrollment is now open. Apply today at heartledliving.com forward slash intuition academy. Again, that's heartledliving.com forward slash intuition academy. Welcome back. I'm excited to be here once again with you, pouring my heart and message into your life. And my prayer is really, may the message land in the way that it's meant to for you. There's times where I'll be sharing something and it'll resonate. And then there's times I'll be sharing something and it won't really resonate. And that's okay. Maybe that part of the message wasn't for you. So the invitation is really about taking what resonates, bringing it into your heart and integrating it and then letting the rest go. And we may let go of the rest for now and it might come back in in another episode or you may listen back to an episode and get another piece from it that you weren't quite ready to hear the first time. It's really about trusting the divine timing and trusting the message will come to you in the way that it's meant to come to you. When it comes to heart-led living or intuitive coaching, a lot of times what will happen is I will say one thing to one person and say the totally opposite to another person. Because really what it is, is I'm delivering the message that that person needs to hear at that time. And when we deliver the message that that person needs to hear at that time, we are pointing to the truth within them that they need to see in the way that they need to see it. And that can sound and look different sometimes. So my invitation is always about you taking what resonates, bringing it into your life, asking how can I integrate this, asking your heart to guide you in that, and then trusting that you're going to receive exactly what you're meant to receive, exactly when you're meant to receive it. And if there's a message that I share that really resonates with you and then I say something else that doesn't, then let that go for now. Okay? So today, we are going to talk about how to shine light on the seven blind spots that feed self-sabotage. This is a message for people that 
suffer from uncontrollable self-sabotage, or it can be even subtle self-sabotage, little behaviors and little actions and little things that happen that keep us stuck, running on a hamster wheel, repeating the same annoying patterns over and over again. And those annoying patterns can actually have a great impact on our life in a way of harm, or it can have a subtle impact on our lives, but it's still having an impact. The key is about removing all of the blocks to our guidance, removing all of the blocks to actually hearing, sensing, and knowing, and trusting our intuition to lead us. And a lot of times what happens with self-sabotage is we get stuck in these patterns, in these hamster wheels. There's a lot of times where I find people will be like, oh, I can't believe I'm back here again. I know better. Why do I keep repeating the same pattern again? Why can't I release this? Why can't I stop doing this behavior or doing this particular thing? Or why can't I prevent myself from landing here again in this place? Whether it's with a relationship, kind of repeating patterns in relationships, or whether it's self-sabotage in the way of overeating or emotional eating, or whether it's around your health or your weight, or whether it's just stinking thinking the kind of thinking that just keeps coming back in our minds and we can't quite get rid of it because it just feels like a perpetual tape that's playing and we're struggling to overcome that. So things like not good enough, low self-worth, low self-esteem, perfectionism, all those kinds of things are so deeply rooted within us and they're deeply rooted within the subconscious mind that a lot of times those things are really challenging to unwind or they have been very challenging to unwind and heal the good news is I'm going to share with you some seven blind spots that are going to help shine light on self-sabotage and then I'm going to actually share with you a tool that will help stop self-sabotage instantly and I have had long-held patterns that I've been working through for 25 years. I've been doing the personal growth and that sort of thing for 25 years, my own work, but also working with other people. And what I've recognized in, in that 25 years is that there's certain deep-rooted patterns that I couldn't quite get completely shifted. So I could unwind and slowly kind of back them off and they became more like maybe a 3 out of 10 from a 9 out of 10 and or a two out of 10 or even a one out of 10. Some of them have been like very subtle and kind of just playing in the background, but not really impacting my life in, in the great way that they used to, in the, in the powerful way that they used to hold me back. And what I'm finding now with using this new tool, which is the ego game of opposites, which I'll talk about. I've talked about in previous episodes, but I'll talk more about it today. And the, the instant shift that happens in using this tool, and the more and more I personally use it, and the more and more I work with my clients to help them use it, the more and more I'm seeing these long-held patterns break up. Now, that's one piece. That's the tool. But where do we actually look? Where do we actually find those things that are feeding that pattern of self-sabotage? That's what I really want to focus on today. So I'll talk about the ego game of opposites. Toward the end, as a tool that you can use, and I'll point you in the direction of the, there's previous episodes you can listen to, but what I really want to focus on today is those seven hidden blind spots 
and shining light on those so that you can begin to unwind and stop those long-held patterns of sabotage. And in some ways, we're going to do that instantly, especially if you use the ego game of opposites. So let's look at the seven pieces. When we look at the seven pieces that hold us back, the first one is fear. Fear, not so hidden, not such a blind spot. People know that fear will hold them back in self-sabotage. But there are actually hidden fears in the mind that we're not aware of. There's fears that we're aware of. Some people are actually afraid of success. And some people are actually afraid of failure. And then there's some people that are actually afraid of both success and failure. So you end up allowing the ego to play both ends against the middle. You're afraid of success and afraid of fear of failure. And that just keeps us stuck in the middle and limbo. And what happens is when we get closer to a, a place in our career or in our work that we actually feel like we might actually be achieving success, self-sabotage kicks in. And or with fear of failure, when we get close to that point where we're realizing we're actually taking a great risk and we might actually risk failure, then self-sabotage kicks in. And self-sabotage shows up in many different ways, consciously and subconsciously. Most people experience a subconscious pull or draw, which leads them to self-sabotage. And there are some subconscious fears that may be playing in the background, like a virus in the back of the mind of your computer, and you don't realize it's playing there. You don't realize it's there. I remember working with clients that are wanting to become pregnant. So I was doing a lot of work. I still do work with clients for fertility, but I was actually focusing solely on fertility, conception, and pre and postnatal support when I had my mind-body studio in Vancouver. And I was teaching fertility yoga. I was doing yoga therapy, one-on-one -on -one work. And this one client that came in, I was asking her in her session, we were working together, and I said, what's your greatest fear? And she kind of gave me a fear that came from her head. So I brought her into her body, and I'm like, where do you feel the, the greatest fear when it comes to your fertility stuff? And she started to feel this one area of her body and we kind of dove into that space and I kind of guided her in there so she could really feel it and experience it. And I said, well, what fear is lying in here, in that space? And the words that came in were fear of pregnancy. She wanted to have a child. She wanted to get pregnant, but she, was, she, she wanted to, but she was afraid of the actual pregnancy. And so then we kind of started to unravel some of that and, and unwind some of those other beliefs that fed into that. And it was all about the fear of what was going to happen to her body, the fear of not being able to handle the pain of labor and delivery, the fear of her, her physical body changing, the fear of her, her partner not appreciating her body changing, stretch marks, varicose veins, all those kinds of things were so programmed in her mind from her mother and her sisters and friends and everything that she just had these fears of pregnancy that she didn't realize. They were totally hidden really deep down inside. So once we exposed all of that, we can kind of like demyth a lot of them and kind of break, break a lot of them down. She was actually able to release her fear of pregnancy and she conceived. Now there was another woman who had a fear of pregnancy, but what we ended up unraveling and, and kind of un, 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 uncovering was she wasn't, she wasn't feeling in her heart to have a pregnancy. She was really feeling in her heart to adopt a child. 
she didn't want to have a pregnancy. It wasn't something that she felt drawn to do. She just knew in her heart that she was meant to adopt a child and that her child, the, the baby that was meant to come to her, wasn't meant to come through her physical body, but through adoption into her heart. So when we can uncover these fears, these hidden fears, then we can actually see what's really underneath it. A lot of times underneath the fear is, is the true guidance, is a knowing in the heart that's leading us towards something. But our mind has created this obstacle or this perceived threat, and it stops us or blocks us from actually tuning into our intuition, which leads to self-sabotage. So fear is number one. Number two, getting stuck in your story. When we're stuck in our story and we're kind of feeling like we are a victim of circumstances or we're really attached to something about our story or our life, we, we can actually block the guidance as well. We can actually block our, our intuition and our mind can actually take us in a pattern of self-sabotage. It actually feeds self-sabotage. So there's always more than one version of any story. Let's take 10 people in the same room having an experience of the same situation. And you can ask those 10 people what happened, and they'll have certain variations of the story that are, that are in alignment with each other. And then there'll be certain variations of the story that are very unique to them a perception that they had that maybe another person didn't have. We can look at it the same way three children growing up in the same home can have a completely different experience of how that home was for them. One could feel totally loved and appreciated. Another one could feel totally neglected and alone. So what is it that creates the difference? It's the story we create in our mind. When we create these stories in our mind, they can actually support us and move us forward, or they can hold us back and keep us stuck. And a lot of times they can feed our fears. And if they feed our fears, they will often feed self-sabotage. So just a question for you. How are you stuck in a story? Is there any story that you feel stuck in, in your life? Is there anything that feels unresolved, unforgiven? Is there anything that still draws the feeling of resentment for you? When we look at those things that happened in the past for us in childhood, those experiences we had growing up, there's many versions of the story. And I know for me, I, I could tell a lot of stories before about how I was a victim of circumstances and how life was out to get me and how painful life was. And I really believed it and I was really in it and, and I believed that life was out to get me. I believed that I was being cursed and punished with my intuitive gift. So because of my intuitive gift and I could pick up all these emotions and pain in my physical body, other people's stuff that as if it was mine, I thought it was a curse. That was a story I was telling myself. I'm cursed. I deserve to be punished. I might as well be dead. No one really cares. I'm not lovable. There was a lot of stories I was telling myself that led to my anorexia and bulimia, that led to alcohol and other substance abuse, that led to all these self 
punishing behaviors and self-sabotage. I didn't feel like I deserved love. I didn't feel like I deserved abundance. I, I didn't feel like I deserved anything. I was here to pay penance. I was here to pay my dues, to, to give back to society because that's what I owed because I was guilty, guilty of whatever it was that I was guilty of. So for me, getting stuck in my story made me feel like very much like a victim of circumstances, like life was happening to me. It felt like I, I had no control. And my attempt to get control was through the anorexia and bulimia. But of course, that didn't work. That doesn't work because it's an illusion. We don't actually have control. We can only trust. So... Where are you stuck in your story? What story are you telling yourself that feels heavy, harmful, makes you feel like a victim of circumstances, keeps you feeling stuck running on a hamster wheel? What story is no longer serving you? What story do you need to let go of? What story do you need to share a different perspective or tell in a different light? So when I can go back now and look at my, my experience growing up with all the pain and the emotions that I was feeling from other people, I can see now how that was actually a gift and that my ability to pick up on other people's pain and other people's emotions is one of my greatest gifts. It's not a curse at all. And as I tell that story, in the way that I tell the story, I usually talk about how I was running from it for a long time, and then I realized I was running from myself and running from that power within me and that gift that I had. And then I, when I started to turn toward it and say yes to it, that's when everything shifted for me. My life turned around. I, all the, the self-punishing behaviors all stopped. This was all 25 years ago when I had that my first kind of moment of awakening. So when we can tell a different story or tell a different version of the story, one that's not embedded with fear, one that's not embedded with the ego, the ego is our teacher of fear, one that is actually embedded with our divinity, one that isn't actually influenced by our spirit, our inner spirit, the truth of who we are, our true nature then that story can actually uplift us. That story no longer becomes food for self-sabotage. It can actually become the fuel for our passion, for our purpose. Number three is history anchors. Now, history anchors are old wounds, from childhood that we are, are not complete around, that we haven't come full circle for healing around, that we still hold as a, an upset or resentment. It's some form of leftovers that we haven't processed yet. And not saying we have to process all of our leftovers from childhood all at once, but when they do show up in our lives and they do come up and we kind of, life bumps up into, bumps up against our leftovers. The invitation is actually to look at it and to heal that wound. So when we're actually able to look at it and heal that wound and heal everything that went along, all the emotions, all the unexpressed energy and emotions around it, we clear all the density around it, then life can happen around us and we don't feel that impact from that old wound. 
So a lot of a common thing with old wounds is around relationships. So we can look at a relationship. So for me, my relationship with my father was was one of absence in a for a period of time. So my mom left my dad when I was two. And she removed us from the house with him because of his alcohol abuse. And at that time, of course, I was two. I didn't know. I could feel his pain. I could feel his <clears throat> angst. But at the same time, I was two. So there was a period of time where I didn't see my dad very much from the time I was two years old to probably about grade four, grade five. And in that time, I felt an absence of him. I felt abandoned. I felt left. I felt like he left us. I didn't realize my mom left him. I didn't realize that until I was much older. And in that, I had this wound of yearning for my father's love and yearning for his attention. And that old wound would show up in my relationships. And I recognized when I was older that my father needed help. So he was abusing alcohol and he was having a challenge in his life. And I wanted to save him. I wanted to help him. And so what happened, how that manifested in my life is I started to actually look for guys, relationships where they were either, you know, abusing alcohol or drugs or something and I needed to save them. I wanted to save them. I wanted to rescue them. I wanted to love them and, and let them know that they were loved and then rescue them. So it was a weird like martyr thing I had going on in my relationships and looking for, for men that, that I could save. So if someone came, if a, a guy came into my life and they had their stuff together and you know they weren't unemployed and they, they weren't abusing drugs or alcohol, what did they need me for? And I didn't realize that that pattern was playing out and out again until I woke up at one point and realized that this relationship stuff is messed up. I'm actually really not functioning properly there on a level of the mind that I need. I needed to heal something because I started to see these patterns. So when I unwound from those patterns, I started to recognize that I don't need to save my partner. And that a husband or father is not, not meant to be saved. They're, it's a partnership, so it's different. And that shortly after that, I actually met my husband. And we've been together since 2001, so 18 years now. So in recognizing that old wound, I was able to heal it, clear it, come full circle. And now I'm in relationship with my husband in a different way. Because when I met him, he had a vehicle, he had a full-time job. He actually had a daughter, so I have a stepdaughter. And he, he didn't need me. He didn't, he wasn't, he, he didn't abuse alcohol or drugs. He, he didn't do any of those things. So it was very interesting when I first met him. I'm like, he's so different than all the other guys I've been attracted to for so long. The other piece of the history anchor that I want you to see too is sometimes there's an influence. I'm seeing this more and more right now, especially in, in our Heart Led Living membership, in the live calls when I'm coaching people each week and, and doing healing circles, what I'm recognizing a lot of past life influence. So there's a lot of past lives coming up for healing right now. A lot of old spiritual contracts that have been expired that are still in place in some way in the spiritual body and the energy body. So I'm doing a lot of clearing around past life stuff. 
So sometimes those things that are kind of hitting up against us over and over again, these history anchors, can actually be a past life influence. Uh, a part of our past life that we feel unresolved around, we feel guilty or shame around, and there's a lot of that coming up right now. I'm seeing it over and over again. And when we clear that, when we actually can clear it, and sometimes it's just a conversation, it's just me pointing and shining light on it, and instantly it clears. And then that person's whole world opens up because there's no longer that influence of that old past life. So history anchors can be old wounds or trauma or leftovers from this particular life or even past lives, not just one, multiple sometimes. That's number three. So we got fear stuck in your story and history anchor. Number four, when we are have an addiction to pain and suffering, that can be a blind spot. Now, a lot of people say, I'm not addicted to pain and suffering. And there's a lot of people that say, oh, I'm not addicted to, to anything. I, and on, if you're human, there's a tendency to, to be drawn toward addiction. Some of us have a little bit more of an inherited addiction than others, but we all have some, to some degree, addictive tendencies in our personalities. It's embedded in our, tra- in our, in our programming, in our, in our lives growing up. So when you look at addiction, I don't want you to think it's only addiction in the way of drugs or alcohol or other substances, behaviors, but it can also be addiction to pain and suffering. When I first heard about an addiction to pain, for me, when I first recognized that in myself, I, I was listening to Dr. Christiane Northrop speak, and she was talking about pleasure and pain and the difference between pleasure and pain and how to move from pain to pleasure. And when I was sitting there listening, I'm like, pleasure and pain. I was reflecting on it and trying it on within myself, and I'm like, there's no difference. That's what I came to. I'm like, in myself, there is no difference between pain and pleasure. And I was like, mind blown. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I believe that pleasure is pain and pain is pleasure. That was my addiction to pain, to pain and suffering, to be more specific. And when I recognized that, I was like, no, pain's not the boss of me. Nope, it's no longer, I'm no longer leading with pain and suffering in my life. And I started to unwind my addiction to pain and suffering. And that was so freeing. It was unbelievable. So I could actually move into pleasure and joy and happiness and those kinds of experiences and deep peace without that that feeling like I needed the fix. I needed to sabotage myself in some way to get back to that pain and suffering. That's what would happen. The moment I started to feel a little bit lighter or I feel a little bit of pleasure in my life or happiness, then I would self-sabotage and I'd go back into the pain and suffering. And sometimes the self-sabotage can be something simple like you know, a thought that comes in. So you're going along and you're feeling really good and you're, you're, this is, everything's coming together and you're, you're celebrating how your life is. And then the thought comes in is like, what if it all goes away? Or, well, but you don't have that, that peace in that relationship. Oh, but that person still doesn't like you. Whatever it is, it'll, the ego will come in and use any point of weakness it can in the mind to take us down into the wormhole and keep us stuck on that cycle of self-sabotage. So it's like, come on, come on back on the hamster wheel. Here's the thought that can keep you there. Here's the thought of pain and suffering 
or here's a thought of anxiety, or here's a worry thought, and it feeds it. It feeds that point of weakness. So it'll feed the fear, it'll feed the, where you're stuck in the story, it'll feed the history anchor, it'll feed that addiction to your pain and suffering. That's what the ego does. Now, let's keep going. I don't want to take a break right now because I want to just keep going. I want to give you all of this and really and, and give it to you all together so that you have what you need to begin to look at where are your blind spots. I want you to identify where are your blind spots and then I'm going to help you with what you can do with them. So some of the things I talked about, I, I talked about where you could, what you could do with them, but I want to give you some direction as well. So let's keep going. The next one, number five, is loyalty. Oh, loyalty. I was such a loyal friend. I was a loyal daughter. I was just loyal. Loyal, loyal, loyal was my thing. I needed to be loyal. And we're taught in society that loyalty is a good thing. And when I tune into the energy of loyalty, it can be in alignment. Yes, you can be loyal and be in alignment. But for the most part, like 99.999% of the time, I feel the energy behind loyalty has fear, guilt, and obligation behind it. So the word loyalty for a lot of different people can mean a lot of different things. But as a blanket overall programming, it is programmed based on guilt, fear, and obligation. When we are striving to be loyal to something or someone, it comes at a sacrifice. Because loyalty, there's, no, there's conditions with loyalty. And with loyalty, there's expectations. And with loyalty, it's very black and white in a lot of ways. Now, if we shift from loyalty to honoring, we can soften it. And when we shift from loyalty to honoring, we can honor another person. We can honor certain circumstances or events or situations, and we can honor ourselves in that at the same time. So when we shift from loyalty to honoring, then we are actually serving all, including us. We can honor everyone, including ourselves. So loyalty comes at a self-sacrifice a lot of times. Honoring does not. Because honoring, we can honor where they're at. We can honor their point of view. We can honor who they are and how they are in life. And at the same time, we can honor ourselves and who we are and how we are in life. So honoring is actually a win-win. Loyalty comes as a win-lose. So in honoring, there's, there's not that duality. In honoring, there's more of a connection and with loyalty, there's more of a separation within the connection. So it's very subtle. But energetically and emotionally, it's pressure. So if you want to learn more about loyalty and honoring, I do have a chapter in my book devoted to that. In my book, Stand Up, Stand Out, Stand Strong, How to Navigate, a uh, 30-day guide to navigate life when the shift hits the fan. Stand up, stand out, stand strong. There's actually a uh, chapter called stop being loyal and it talks about loyalty versus honoring and there's a process you can go through to shift from loyalty to honoring so what if you had one we can have a loyalty to people so we can have a loyalty to 
say, our parents. And if our parents only earn a certain amount or they're only successful to a certain degree, then we can be loyal to them without realizing it. And this is a lot of times in the subconscious mind. We can be loyal enough that we keep ourselves earning within their range or keep ourselves successful within their range of success so that we don't leave them behind or so that we don't feel bad or we don't feel guilty or we don't outshine them. And this can be with our parents or other people in our lives. That is what loyalty often does. It keeps us stuck playing small instead of playing big, instead of playing the part that we're meant to play and living the life that we're meant to live. We live based on what other people's comfort zones would be. That is loyalty in play. And what will happen is it'll feed our self-sabotage. And so let's say we have an, a promotion at work or we have a possibility of a promotion, we may end up self-sabotaging ourselves. So we don't get that promotion because we don't want our parents to feel bad about themselves and about their success. Or we don't want to have to compare ourselves or outshine somebody or leave them behind for that matter. That, that's another piece that comes in. So loyalty can play out in so many different ways. So you can see that I could actually probably do a radio show <laughs> on each one of these just in themselves. So I'm giving you kind of a brief idea of them, an inkling of them, so that you can start to become aware of them and how they're playing out in your life. But I could go deeper into each one of these for like a whole hour or more. And loyalty is one of those topics I could talk about for a long time. So we've got fear, stuck in your story, history anchor, addiction to pain and suffering, and loyalty. Now we're going to shift to... Number six is the ego hijack, and number seven is a hidden belief. These two go together, but I'm keeping them separate because we can have a hidden belief without an ego hijack, and we can have an ego hijack without a hidden belief. We can, we can have it convincing us that it's disguising itself as love, or it's disguising itself as kindness, or it's disguising itself as being of service. So I'm talking about them together but separate, if that, if that makes any sense. So let's look at the ego hijack. When I talk about the 10 stages of evolution in my book, The Evolution of the Ego, How to Unwind Your Ego, Embrace Your Humanness, and Embody Your Divinity, in that book, one of the 10 phases of evolution or stages of evolution is the ego hijack. And what it does at this stage is it starts to get really wise. I've talked about the ego being a very good shapeshifter. It's the master of disguises, master of many personalities. And it loves to use the language of love itself. It uses our spiritual language. It'll use anything it can to keep us playing safe because it wants to protect us. It's afraid and it's based on fear. It teaches fear. It's the master teacher of fear. It only knows fear. And it, the ego wants to keep us safe. So it feeds our fear and it feeds and embeds fear. It'll plant a seed or a worry or an anxiety in the mind to keep us playing small, keep us playing safe, not taking risks. So the ego hijack is one of those where it can hijack a story, it can hijack a situation in life, it can hijack a relationship, it can hijack your language of love, it can hijack your language of spirituality, it can take on any shape 
or form it needs to in order to keep you playing small. So when we recognize the ego hijack, the one way to, to heal that is, is the awareness. That's the first key is the awareness of it. And then we start to feel into the subtle discernment behind it. So the ego has a very specific energy signature or energy imprint, fingerprint. So when I'm talking to people, when I'm tuning in with people and they're telling me a story, they're telling me what's going on for them, and I feel something behind the word. So it's not so much the word you're using, it's the energy behind the word when you use it. That's what I'm tuning into. So when I'm listening to somebody, when I'm tuning in and I'm working with people one-on-one or in groups, I'm listening deeply. And I'm listening to the listening. I'm listening to the energy. I'm listening and tuning into everything outside and including what you're saying. So I'm using all of my senses in the physical realm, my human senses, and I'm using all of my spiritual senses or intuitive senses, which go beyond the physical, go beyond what, what we, we know as in the, in the way of hearing or tasting or seeing, experiencing that way. So it goes beyond the five senses. I had someone recently, I was at a, an event and someone had said to me afterwards that I was talking to somebody they know and and they said, you know, she was the only person that looked me like deeply in the eyes and listened so intently and was so present. And that's me really listening with all of my senses, all of my abilities, all of my intuitive abilities. And when I'm listening that deeply and I'm, and I'm so absolutely present, I can pick up on a lot of different things that are playing on in the background. So when an ego hijack is in place and, the, and you're saying some words and I'm tuning into the energy behind it, I'm tuning into what's behind those words. And often I feel like a niggling or something feels off or I'll feel a discord. It can be smaller, it can be major. But a lot of times it's the subtle discords that I'm really tuning into now because I'm really helping people get to that subtle attunement and discernment. And that's that deep divine discernment that I want to teach others how to do because I don't want people relying on me. I'm not about enabling them to keep coming back to me. I'm about empowering them with the tools and the knowledge and the experiences they need so that they can do this work on their own. And yes, sometimes they'll come back to me and need some support. And, and we do have weekly support in our membership, but they don't rely on me they come to me because it's guided. They come to me because there's a piece that I'm meant to shine light on for them because sometimes we can't find our own blind spots. And I know for me, I can't always find my own blind spots. Even with all my skills, even with all my experience, I still can't always find my own blind spots. So I have my own coach. I have a healer that I work with. So there's people that I turn to when I'm like, okay, I can't see it, can't get, that, can't get to it. I need some help. And then I ask for help. Asking for help is actually an act of courage. So that's the ego hijack. It will use the language of love itself. So an example of the language being hijacked by the ego, ego would say, come this way, I'll keep you safe. Where your inner spirit would say, you are safe. Very subtle. Very subtle in, in the shifts, 
and in the meaning of the language used and the context that it's used, but it's the energy behind it that we're really tuning into. And when fear is in the picture, it's a feeling, a sense, a knowing. There is fear in the picture. You can feel it and sense it when you become more attuned to it. So number seven, hidden beliefs. This is where the ego game of opposites comes in and becomes really, really powerful in the way of unwinding the mind instantly from these long-held hidden beliefs really deeply embedded in the mind. So imagine your mind is a computer and there's a virus so cleverly hidden in the background that you wouldn't even know to look there. Imagine the ego is the hacker and it's placed this virus, this deep-seated virus, way far back in the subconscious mind that we don't even realize it's there. It's like on the computer, when you're working on the computer, you see your software, you see all the stuff that's running in the, in the front, front end on the, on the desktop, and then in the, on the hard drive or in the background, there's a lot of stuff running that we don't, we don't know about. And sometimes we can have a virus on our computer and not know about it. And maybe it's working a little funny or doing a few little glitches here or there, but we don't realize and we don't know where to look for it. And sometimes we can even run a virus scan, but it's a new virus that that virus scan can't identify. Or it's so well hidden that that virus can, can't find it. This is what happens in the subconscious mind when we have these hidden beliefs. So the ego game of opposites is designed to expose those deep-seated hidden beliefs that the ego has injected at some place along your life, at some point along your life, really deep far inside your mind. And the way that it uses this is it runs in a way that it plays both ends against the middle. It is playing both ends against the middle in the way that it, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So it has these ego dictionary definitions in your mind. And it's embedded there. It's got the ego has its own dictionary definition of all these words in the world. And the word that I first discovered with this game was unworthiness. The definition of unworthiness in the world's dictionary, of course, you can, you can probably explain that to me. You can explain it to anybody. What does unworthiness mean? We think we know what it means because that's what the world dictionary says. But in the subconscious mind, in my subconscious mind, I had a totally different version of and definition of unworthiness. And in my subconscious mind, unworthiness meant being humble, kind, in service to others, and a whole bunch of other things. That's not what unworthiness means in the world. So why would I even question what I believe in my subconscious mind about unworthiness? I've been working on I am worthy and changing that, that belief for a long time, most of my life, and I've come really close to overcoming it, but it was still playing out in one small way in my life. And when I realized that the ego's dictionary definition in my mind was totally backwards, and then the version of worthiness, the definition of worthiness, was self-centered, arrogant, egotistical, self-serving, not being of service, it was totally opposite. Unworthiness was backwards, and so was worthiness. So the ego was playing both, and get, both ends against the middle. That's the ego game of opposites. 
And when we play the ego game of opposites and expose that programming, it's like running a virus scan on the, on the subconscious mind, bringing that virus and that programming, that dictionary definition into the quarantine and deleting it, then there's a process I take you through where we reprogram it. And it's in that reprogramming that we align with the truth, not the world dictionary definition of worthiness, but the truth in our heart and the knowing in our heart of worthiness. And we hear the words from our spirit, what we need to hear, and we reprogram and redefine it. And that's the biggest gift. It's a gift for everyone. So that's how we stop self-sabotage instantly because we actually get in and underneath and expose that hidden belief, quarantine it, reprogram it, delete it, and then reprogram it. So it's like clearing out your hard drive and making your computer run smoothly again, making your mind run smoothly again without the filter of the hidden beliefs impacting. So if you have a desire that's different than the belief you hold in the hidden belief in the mind, the belief will override your desire. It will always override your desire. So it's important to expose the ego game of opposites and to expose those hidden beliefs. So let's recap. The seven blind spots are fear, stuck in your story. Number three is history anchor. Number four is addiction to pain and suffering. Number five is loyalty. Number six is ego hijacks. And seven is hidden beliefs. Now, ways that you can get in underneath this is continue to practice awareness, continue to use your triggers and resistance as a signal for your leftovers. Go back and listen to a lot of my episodes. I talk a lot about the different tools and the different ways to get in underneath these things and to expose these things. If you feel like you need some support, some more hands-on support, like take my hand, let me show you the way, then join our Heartled Living membership. I do have an Ego Game of Opposites money edition coming up. It's in the works. I almost got it all finalized in the way of how it's going to play out, how we're going to do it. But if you're curious about it, come join me on the Heart Yes Movement group and Facebook and you'll be informed. Come join us on the free level of the membership, the open level membership. I'll send you an email. You'll be informed or come join my newsletter. And in that newsletter, I'll, I will email you when the Ego Game of Opposites Money Edition is being released. And this is going to be a game changer. This, the Ego Game of Opposites, we're going to play specifically around money, abundance, lack, poverty, consciousness, and taking all of those words and reprogramming them, deleting those old programs, quarantine them, deleting them, and starting a new, fresh programming in the subconscious mind. And when we can align the subconscious mind with the conscious mind, and then bring that in alignment with your heart, you become unstoppable. There is no pattern of self-sabotage that isn't even going to have a point of weakness at all. It's going to be gone. So that's what we're looking at with the Ego Game of Opposites Money Edition that's coming up. So if you have self-sabotage around money, if you're feeling uncertain about how to align with abundance and you want to experience your own abundance breakthrough as we heal the mind and clear the money blocks and stop self-sabotage instantly around money and abundance, then come find me, come join me, sign up for my list so that you can stay informed and we will 
let me help you. I would love to help you. I just feel like there's so many people that are doing such amazing work in the world and it's very much aligned with, with the work they're meant to be doing, but they're just so stuck in these old patterns and, and it's frustrating and we beat ourselves up for them. But really the moment we have an awareness that we have an old pattern, that's the number one piece right there is awareness. That's the key to stopping it and breaking it down. And when we can use awareness and resistance as a friend pointing to our leftovers, then we can actually shine light on these five blind spots. Sometimes you'll need help. Asking for help is an act of courage. Sometimes you can go it alone. Sometimes there's tools you can use on your own. So the ego game of opposites is one of those tools. I teach it to you and then I empower you. You could play the ego game of opposites till the cows come home and have major break breakthroughs with it without me because it's a step-by-step -step process that I share with you and empower you with that you can do on your own. Initially doing it is challenging. So some people need the initial kind of kickstart with it. And then once they get going with the ego game of opposites, they're, they're, they're flying. I have clients and members and students in the Intuition Academy who are using that tool almost daily. Some of them are doing two or three, four or five a week and they're having huge breakthroughs and they're breaking through these patterns that they've had for years. And I know for me, even after all of this work I've been doing personally for 25 years or more, it feels like, what I recognize is that these little subtle self-sabotaging things that were leftovers or these little subtle leftovers in the subconscious mind were still influencing, but I didn't realize how they were influencing until I actually healed them, until I actually released them and reprogrammed them and aligned with the knowing and the truth in my heart. And then things are happening in my life. My life always tends to, to move fast. Uh, there's a lot of miracles that always happen. There's a lot of moving and a shaking going on. And what I'm recognizing is that there's a, even more of an expansion now since I left, I, I released those little nigglings. So even the smallest virus in the mind can influence and impact your life and inf influence and impact your behaviors. So it is worth doing this deep work. It is worth looking at all the nigglings, no matter how small, no matter how big, all of upsets, all upsets are interfering with your peace. All leftovers are actually holding you back in one way or another, are stuck points. And all of them are worthy of your awareness and your attention and your intention to heal them. And if I'm to be part of that for you, if I'm to support you through these radio shows or if you come to my blog or if you come and join our community of heart-led living individuals all across the world that are doing this deep work, if you're meant to be one of the students in the Intuition Academy, if that's meant to be on your path, you'll know in your heart. But I promise your ego is going to want to resist your ego is going to want you to run away at certain times. Your ego is going to, to avoid listening to these episodes because it wants you to quit before the miracle. And I want to encourage you to keep taking the steps to experience the miracle. And I will be there as your mighty companion and I will be there as your biggest cheerleader celebrating the miracles as you have your own breakthroughs in your life and you stop self-sabotage in an instant as your life starts to expand in ways that you can never imagine, I will be there celebrating with you and cheering you on because I know the work is worth it. 
It's not hard work. It's heart work. And the heart work is not always easy, but it's absolutely worth it. I want to thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you joining me this today and every week. And I encourage you to go and subscribe to the different podcast platforms or subscribe to my YouTube channel so that you are informed of when the new episodes are out and when you can listen and receive more gifts and let me pour more of my heart into your life as much as you're willing to accept I'm willing to extend to you. So I thank you so much. I love you. I appreciate you. Until next week, namaste. Imagine a one-of-a-kind, sacred transformational experience that is infused with high vibrational healing energy and personalized guidance and insight. Receive a one-on-one, live, private, intuitive healing experience with Sue as she follows her guidance and delivers exactly what you need in the moment, leaving a lasting imprint. During this private healing experience, Sue draws on a multitude of gifts, skills, channeled healing, coaching, and mind-body-soul insights, a divinely downloaded transmission specifically for you. Whether you have questions about your health, relationships, career, or wish to receive a message from a loved one who passed, or you need a soul retrieval or support clearing a block or blind spot, this one-on-one private intuitive healing experience with Sue will transform you. To learn more and to book a divine appointment with Sue, visit heartledliving.com forward slash intuitive healing. You've been listening to Life by Divine with your host, Sue DeMay. Shift your consciousness from head to heart and enliven your soul as you discover how to lead with your heart and live your own life by divine. Join Sue in the growing global heart-led living community at heartledliving.com. That is heartledliving.com.